Hey there, and welcome to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about Call of Duty dropping its campaign in the new Black Ops 4 game, as well as nostalgia. It's going to be a couple of very interesting topics that I think have some really good questions that are asked and some really good information to be found. So why don't we go ahead and jump right in and start the episode. My name is Tim, and this is the Insert Coin Theater Podcast. With the Call of Duty Black Ops 4 private multiplayer beta upon us, it may be a good time to look into an interesting choice made by Treyarch, the developers of Black Ops 4, the omission of a single player campaign mode. Now, this has been met with a mix of positive reaction and frustration from the gamut of Call of Duty players, which, let's be real, is a pretty huge and varied fan base. So we got to ask ourselves, why is this? Is this a bad thing? And is anything of value really lost? Research from Ars Technica looked into the completion rates of campaigns as well as data into how far the majority of players made it into the single player portions of the Call of Duty campaigns, starting with Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare and working their way forward chronologically. The data was based off achievements to gather an idea of completion rates using easy to identify completion achievements, whether it be permission or a final achievement for completing the campaign. This data comes exclusively from Xbox 360 and Xbox One achievement info. And I think the reason they did that is just because the historical data goes back a bit further since trophies, I don't think, have been around as long. From their findings, Ars Technica found that only 40% of players ever even completed the first mission of Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, with about 72% of Call of Duty World War II players completing the first. This correlates with overall trends of fewer than 40% of players ever completing the single-player campaigns of many popular action shooter franchises, Gears of War, Halo, and Battlefield being included in this data from 2006 onwards. This means it's not surprising that we aren't seeing a continuation of story modes, as most players are far more interested in the multiplayer aspects, whether they be horde mode style type game modes, Call of Duty, Zombies, and Gears of War's cooperative modes come into mind here, or competitive player-versus-player-style modes. Though, to put it into perspective, a commenter who goes by MoobG took similar data based on the completion rates from other games that are exclusively single-player, and the results were surprising to say the least. Some of the more standout results show the completion rates for all of the games they polled to be less than 50% overall. Games like Bastion, Transistor, Wolfenstein The New Order, Superhot, and Bioshock Infinite were included. Reasons for these low completion rates could be lack of interest, getting stuck at certain points and moving on to different games, or really any other number of reasons, people not liking the game, etc. The important takeaway is that completion rates for the single player campaigns of the Call of Duty games are actually not far off from the norm, and in some cases higher from some single player games. Using the completion statistic of the main campaign, though, there's no denying a fairly clear decline of popularity here. 
Rather than drawing the conclusion that gamers are losing interest in single-player campaigns and action shooters, perhaps we should look into why this is occurring. It's hard to draw a specific reason or even really prove it, but we can take some educated guesses. My personal view is the writing and quality of campaigns in these action shooters. Rather than being interesting, overarching stories, such as what spanned from Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare to Modern Warfare 3, conveyed in a series of hard-hitting spectacles, we get into more generic stories with less interesting characters, such as what we saw in Call of Duty World War II or Infinite Warfare. Less effort seems to be put into making them interesting and nuanced, and more effort is being put into the multiplayer. It may be anecdotal and subjective, but from what I've been able to gather from friends on the subject is that they agree. The writing and voice acting quality in the single player campaigns has declined over the years, which may be a contributor to less interest in the game campaigns overall. This lack of care into the quality level and the experience has definitely negatively impacted their point of view, as it has my own. Overall, my view is that the ab abandoning of single player campaigns in Call of Duty isn't necessarily a bad thing. The interest is waning due to more effort being focused on making solid multiplayer and cooperative experiences, and if cutting out these single-player experiences improves those other areas, then maybe it's a positive trend. Perhaps improving the multiplayer experience will help reduce the number of cheaters and exploits, and maybe the cooperative experience will be that much more enjoyable. With their upcoming Blackout mode, which follows a Battle Royale style, They'll be hard-pressed to make an enjoyable and balanced competitive experience while maintaining weapon balance in the primary multiplayer competitive modes. However, on the flip side of the coin, the game will be judged solely on the multiplayer and, of course, the cooperative zombie mode aspects of the game, and not by the campaign. This may be a blessing, as the campaigns have only received mild excitement levels with a few of the reviews I've read on the older COD games, and in my point of view, these more often miss rather than hit stories bring down the overall score. While it makes me sad to see the single-player campaigns go, perhaps it opens up the door for standalone campaign experiences in those engines that are better written and designed with a dedicated team who can give it the time it deserves for those interested in a campaign. Either way, it'll be very interesting to see how this pans out for the franchise. Will they receive negative marks for excluding the campaign? Will players complain or revolt openly? I'll be keeping a close eye on the progress of this while I enjoy the multiplayer, because after the beta, I have nothing but excitement for this game. And I hadn't been excited about a Call of Duty game until the previous one, World War II. So I really enjoyed Modern Warfare 3 and then just kind of lost interest in the franchise right up until World War II came out. That said, we're going to go ahead and take a break before we dive into the seedy underbelly of nostalgia. Just kidding, of course, but we will be jumping in shortly. So please stick around after the break. We'll be right back. I'm proud to announce that Insert Coin Theater is now partnered with GamerGoo. Get a grip with GamerGoo, a specially formulated hand goo to stop your hands from sweating, eliminating slip, increasing grip, and boosting your energy and focus. Visit GamerGoo.com and use discount code ICT at checkout to save 10%. Hey there, my name is Tim, the host of the Insert Coin Theater podcast. Did you know that by sponsoring the ICT podcast, your product will be advertised to dozens and potentially hundreds of listeners? More yet, your product could be broadcast live to hundreds of viewers four nights a week during my live streams. Here's your chance to get in at the ground level with a new and exciting show. 
Reach out to me at insertcointheater at gmail.com and let's talk about how we can bring your product to hundreds or even thousands of potential new customers. Once again, reach out to me at insertcointheater at gmail.com. When I mention something like the Super Nintendo Entertainment System or Sega Genesis, I have a feeling a lot of you, dear listeners, would have mental flashbacks of simpler times in life. Whether it be the blippy joy brought by the soundtrack of Super Mario World or the beautifully crafted pixelated sprites of Sonic the Hedgehog, a rush of memories comes upon you that we refer to as nostalgia. Defined by the Cambridge Dictionary as a feeling of pleasure and sometimes slight sadness at the same time as you think about things that happened in the past. Nostalgia takes us back in time in a way that only a science fiction machine would be able to. Nostalgia is a fascinating phenomenon that I actually use to my advantage when live streaming. By playing a classic game, it brings people back to a simpler time while getting to experience my first or a repeat experience with the game. It's a powerful means of forming connections as your memories of the game and experience with it creates an instant connection to my activity on stream. Nostalgia is a hell of a drug. It can improve your mood, create social connections, provide comfort, and even grant existential meaning, enable psychological growth, and enhance positive self-regard. However, with the positives come negatives. It can be exploited as a tool for deceiving to deflect historical facts, embellishing and encouraging a return to the past, even if that past was not good for other people. Smell and touch generally are the strongest evokers of nostalgia, according to Wikipedia, as the processing of these two stimuli pass through the amygdala, which is the emotional part of the brain. However, music can have a huge impact here as well, but it also does not dismiss the visual aspect of seeing your classic games outright. Memory biases in general have a huge impact on these nostalgic feelings, as you are want to remember the good times rather than the bad, especially when involved with art or transformative works such as video games. It's important to note that nostalgia is stronger in some more than others. Some people are far more prone to bouts of nostalgia, and this can make it very difficult to generalize how effective nostalgia really can be. There's a 2007 test called Bacho's Nostalgia Inventory, which can measure how prone someone is to nostalgia, consistent with Stern's 1992 definition of personal nostalgia being the longing for one's remembered past. That said, the majority of this information comes from Christine Bacho's paper submitted to the American Journal of Psychology in fall of 2013 entitled Nostalgia, Retreat of Support in Difficult Times. And from the Wikipedia article referencing a couple other scientific journals. A view of the positive aspects of nostalgia is that moods can improve. In Bacho's paper, she finds that in times of stress, nostalgia can facilitate, quote, facilitate Moving forward by encouraging reflection on the past that reminds a person of happiness that was once enjoyed, difficulties overcome, the transience of difficult times, continuity of self, and the support available from others. End quote. Nostalgia can serve as a beacon of hope and a reminder that stressful times can be overcome and that there are better things in the world than the stress at the time. If it existed once, it can exist again. For a negative aspect example, so looking at the negatives of this, having nostalgia for how things were in the early to mid 60s in the United States as a white person 
and desiring to return to the norms of that time undercuts the struggle of black people during that time, during civil rights, uh, the civil rights movement, and disregarding the negative impact a return to those norms would have on their lives. So not only can it help you through tough times, it can also be used as a way of turning your memories into a desire to return to those times without you understanding the effect it may have on other people because you're just looking inwardly at the positive aspects that you experienced. That all being said, what does any of that have to do with video games? As I had mentioned at the beginning of this segment, the power of nostalgia relating to video games can be a big thing. I mentioned before I that I capitalize on it a lot by playing older or classic titles on my live stream. This isn't just a gimmick. While the boost of viewers who wish to revisit their past is nice, I love the nostalgia invoked by these games, even if I've never played them. They allow me to have a portal to the past while experiencing something new, which is, to me, a high that I can't even begin to explain. Add in the addition of people to a stream who engage me with their own histories and tales and experiences related to the experience of playing these games, and the effect is just indescribable. Gaming's always been my strongest nostalgia link, especially with the music. Composers like Grant Kirkhope, Nobuo Matsu, Jeremy Soule, Koji Kondo, and Jesper Kidd have created iconic music that takes me back in time with only a few notes. For me, the effect is intense and immediate. The stories, characters, and settings of these games come to me, followed by where I was in life at the time I played and what happened around that time. It's like opening a picture album, but in my mind. It's a very special and unique experience, and anyone who's not nostalgia-prone misses out on some very fascinating trips down memory lane, in my opinion. I think I bring all this up as a cautionary exercise, not just to you, but to myself. Nostalgia is a powerful thing, and as I said earlier, it's a hell of a drug. Just because it can transport you back in time does not mean that games from that time period were inherently better than now. It's something I see often in nostalgia-laden gamers who pick up modern gaming and complain that the games are inferior to yesteryear. Seeing gaming through rose-tinted glasses can be dangerous, as it clouds judgment and causes one to miss the good that exists today. There are so many games releasing on a weekly basis, from indie gems to AAA behemoths. It's very easy to judge these games based on our own biased perception. So let's ensure that we appreciate classic games for what they are while appreciating modern games for what they bring to the table. Whether it be new ideas or twists on classic ideas, it's very important that we stay as objective as we can. There's absolutely nothing wrong with reliving the past in games and reveling in the memories that they bring. And of course the happiness that can ensue, ensue with that. But we also have to be cognizant of the negative aspects of nostalgia, which often leads us to unfairly or biasedly judge our newer and more modern games through those rose-tinted lenses of the past. Let's try to keep our objectivity while reliving our collective past. That's how we make games better. Focusing on the good, making comparison points that are reasonable, and not just tossing out what's new and what's just come out because the older stuff was quote-unquote better. The ICT Podcast is written and produced by me, Tim Hosey. Insert Coin Theater is more than a podcast. 
It's also live streams four days a week at mixer.com slash theater. But above that, it's also a vibrant and inclusive community on Discord at discord.gg ICT. If you'd like to support my efforts monetarily and help my content creation efforts become a full-time gig, please consider pledging on the new Insert Coin Theater Patreon page at patreon.com ICT. If you're unable to support monetarily or wish to help beyond that, please consider leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. The positive reviews will help bring new listeners to the podcast, and it'll help the show grow in a meaningful way. If you have any comments, suggestions, questions, or wish to connect with me, please visit me on Twitter at twitter.com slash insertcointim, on Facebook at fb.com slash insertcointheater, or on Instagram at instagram.com slash insertcointheater. My DMs on Discord are always open, and you can reach me there by DMing insertcointheater with no spaces, hashtag 6969. The music you heard during the break is Home Base Groove and Itty Bitty 8-Bit by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. The ICT podcast intro and the outro song you're hearing now is created by the supremely talented Ben Burns, also known as Abstraction. You can check out his music at abstractionmusic.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>